Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Sammy Roberts and I'm joined by Phil Savage. Tom Senior. Andy Kelly. So we've been away for a bit of a long time. Um, sorry about that. We didn't lose interest in making a podcast. We just weren't in the same place anymore. Yeah. Um, Andy went to Newcastle, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, not just because, not just the city, but he actually went to a studio there, so that's good. Um, Phil went to QuakeCon. He's going to talk about that in a, in a moment. Mm-hmm. And um, Tom Senior went to Canada, um, like he does every month now. Um, we can't say why. Nope. Nope. Um, all be revealed <laughs> and I went on holiday um, in my flat just sat playing computer games so uh, yeah we've not been in the same place for quite a long time but we're back now um, we're going right. to try and get back to being weekly although I'm going to Gamescom next week so hopefully there'll be a podcast while I'm yeah playing. as long as I'm aware like we could have made one that first week we skipped but uh, I didn't realise Andy was going to Newcastle when he did so it all went it all fell apart but it's yeah. okay we're back now there'll be one next week for sure as long as I keep yeah. track of everyone's schedules we're cool I'll have some No Man's Sky hot takes next week oh yeah that'll be, the, that'll be the No Man's Sky special next week I'm mm. sure um, we'll be playing it yeah uh, I won't be because um, I don't fancy spending 40 quid on it but we'll see we'll see maybe if our review is really glowing then maybe I'll change my mind um, but yes uh, so this week we're going to talk about a variety of cool things starting yeah. with QuakeCon and the games that were there including Prey yep. uh, the re-announced uh, sci-fi immersive sim thing where you can play as a mug um, Phil will talk about that in a moment and also Quake Champions mm. which you saw in action and interviewed Tim Willits about from yeah. his software that's so right. why don't you kick off with that, Phil? I will, uh, while you run away and do some <laughs> last-minute deadline work. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the magazine is being created, and the, the final throws of the magazine are happening right now, as we're recording. Right, uh, I guess if Sam was going to ask me a question, if he was here, which he definitely is. Shall I ask you? Quake Champions. How about that, Quake Champions? What is it? Uh, so Quake Champions is essentially the new multiplayer Quake game. It's going to be a PC-only sort of arena shooter, but with the added wrinkle that it's doing the Overwatch thing, which is uh, each each of the people you select in it, each of its characters has a unique ability that you can deploy. Um, so that's kind of unusual for an arena shooter. Like It's a genre that often prefers to give players parity in approach and like their tool set. Um, so skill usually comes to the fore. Like, if you are the best at rocket jumping and shooting people with hit-scan lasers, then you usually win. But now you can also teleport if you're playing a certain character, or, weirdly enough, you can heal with other characters, which seems very unquake in terms of, like, map knowledge always seems to be a big part of arena shooters for me, collecting, like, the pickups and the armor pickups and the health pickups. Um, and now there's a guy you can heal, and uh, a woman, uh, one of the characters is called Galena, and she puts down totems that actually have an area of effect healing to help you capture points. It doesn't and sound stuff. much like Quake. It's, it's strange, isn't it? Um, so we did see a bit of it at QuakeCon, like during the opening keynote, and to be honest, it looks, it looks good. It does look very Quake. Like the, the movement tech and that sort of thing is all very, very much in that 90s era shooter um, vein. Super wide FOV and super ice yeah. slidey movement like you're on ice. That sort of thing, thing yeah. yeah. Um, like strafe jumping and rocket jumping are clearly a big deal. Like lots of little platforms for you to for try and navigate. So have they, have they taken, because I noticed that in the trailer some of the character models were old character models from old Quake yeah. games. Have they looked at those designs and went what skills would they have if they were heroes in a hero Type. Yeah, I think there's an element of that. Like, so the big lizard one, 
Um, his called Scale Bearer or something? I can't remember the exact names. Um, the big lizard one spits acid. I yeah. guess that's the thing you could see a big alien big lizard stone, doing. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, and Tim was saying, like, oh, that's really great if you want to uh, lock down things like the quad damage power-up. Uh, which in Quake Champions isn't it will give the person who picks it up quad damage, but will also give a damage buff, a slightly lesser damage buff to every other character on the team. So it becomes more of a big deal as a secondary objective. Um, you can spit acid at the quad damage pickup, and that's going to make it harder for the you know. Oh, so you can lay it like a trap. Yeah, like yeah. A it becomes, of it, acid. It's used yeah. for like denial of areas and stuff like that, which is an interesting idea. It's quite it's quite a strange direction of getting. I didn't expect this at all. Like, do you think? Um, do you think it's a good, a wise idea, or do you think they, or do you think it's kind of like they should have really drilled down on the essence of old Quake and played to that nostalgic factor? I don't know. Like, I think one of the things that they've struggled with is obviously so it has Quake Live. That's like its on-running multiplayer mm. thing at the moment. It's like that. That's the Quake you go to. But yeah. Quake Live never really <clears throat> attracted new people into it. It 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 was a home for all the Quake Three Arena players. They all sort of moved over became that but it never grew uh, it never got a big new audience so I think this Quake Champions is them going well how how do we make a Quake that actually appeals to you know new PC players and not just the the people who are playing Quake Live at the moment and I think this is how they're going to try and do that like strangely um, the, the, the Champions idea having abilities and stuff was originally going to be like an expansion for Quake Live um, and it was actually the success of Doom, and seeing like how many people responded to Doom and like what they could do with the new engine and that. Where they were like, well, you know, Quake Live's engine was made in '99, uh, so maybe it is time we we bring it up to date and make it a new thing. A big part of the appeal of like Overwatch for me as a kind of casual shooter player is the characters are also kind of identifiable and outlandish and like cool looking and interesting and mm. colourful like and Quake's got a lot more of a like muted art style hasn't it do you think that did, did it have did you get a sense of it's, its personality it's all, yeah it's muted in some senses but exaggerated in others like you have big muscly guys lizards yeah. there's that guy robot. with um, a buzz cut and no face there's a guy with like a, yeah. a steel plate for his face yeah, yeah a visor uh, his, his <laughs> active ability is uh, he gets t- he gets a few seconds of being able to see enemies through walls yeah. Basically, you know that you know that vision mode that everybody loves <laughs> yeah. in immersive Batman vision. Sort of yeah. Batman vision, uh, yeah, uh, that, but only for a few seconds. Uh, apparently, there's been like some debate about how OP he is internally, that sort of thing. Mm. Some people think he's useless. Some people think he's mega overpowered. It's going to be interesting to see how they balance it because, like, I think the thing with Overwatch is it doesn't really matter if a character feels a little unbalanced because you either don't play him or he gets picked a lot, but you still need that sense of like team composition anyway like no character is so good that you'd win with that character over and over again so it's not so much also it's a completely new original like idea it's not whereas with Quake Champions if they mess the balance up it just feels like they've broken Quake yeah Uh, so like they've got a really difficult task ahead of them I'd say Um, it's going to be interesting Uh, we'll we'll get to play it next year it's going into open beta uh, in 2017 with 12 characters and then they'll be adding more throughout the year so yeah, it's a bit crowded uh, genre this one now isn't it because Lawbreakers is also on the horizon Lawbreakers is on the horizon but Titanfall I mean, 2 is kind of not the same thing but a kind of fast paced quick round shooter yeah um, like 
quake will offer things that the other ones don't. Uh, I mean, there's no sense of loadouts or anything like that. You do still just pick your weapons up off the map. I like that. Like, there is a lot of that very old-school design in there, so I think it will be something different from other like other of the like hero shooters i guess <coughs> i guess we call them now mm-hmm. what's going to be interesting is like how it pairs up to what epic are doing with unreal tournament i mean mm. once again we could be in a battle of arena shooters because epic yeah. is going very much for this is just another unreal tournament uh, it's a very traditional unreal tournament and also it's being developed you know alongside the community mm. um Oh, yeah, it's gonna be fun to oh, see how that shakes out. It's it's also not clear how it's gonna be sold yet. Mm. Like, uh, not just in the oh we don't want to tell you kind of way. Yeah. In the like Tim Willits generally didn't seems know. like he didn't know what they're doing. They've not got a plan for that. I think they're at the moment they're so busy trying to make a good Quake game that mm. also uh, yeah has this other layer to it and making that. Feel like it's a natural fit that they've not even been able to solve, like how we're going to sell it, what the progression system is going to be, that sort of thing. Oh man, Phil, that thing you were talking about, man, that's my favourite, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. When I was listening to that the whole time, yes, I, I had. Oh man, that game, dude, that game's <laughs> off the chain. <laughs> okay, so you're talking about Quake? Yeah, we we, we covered Quake, uh, as you know. Have you about wrapped up Quake? Do you think? I, I think yeah, we could. Does anyone get any other worst segue ever? But you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. Let's talk about Prey then. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Prey. Um, so Arcane, uh, Austin. Basically, yeah. this two studios seemingly, after Dishonored was made, were spun off. Um, and Austin went off to make its own thing, which was, I think, described in like leaked emails that Kotaku reported as like a spiritual successor to System Shock 2. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah. And this has some similarities to that in setting um, yeah. but feels very much like its own thing and has no relation to the original brain yeah it's interesting like I've talked on this podcast a couple of times about how much I liked the the idea of Prey 2 uh, Human Heads version of Prey 2 that was clearly cancelled um, uh, this this now is not that and it's not the original Prey uh, it's just an immersive sim that Arcane are making that they've called Prey. Why have this really? Even, the name doesn't even like evoke like sci-fi immersive sim, does it? It's, it just seems like a totally. But and, and it's not as if the Prey brand is like massive and it's going to get like a million extra sales because well, it's called Prey. It's a, like, it's a cool word though. It's like, a cool yeah. word. You know, you're the Prey, or are you? Are they the Prey? Who I don't knows? like it. I think it's a bad name. What happened? And and like, so Arcane, who are they and who am I? <laughs> Arkane was super honest about this, uh, surprisingly so. Like I just said, well, okay, why is this Prey if it's got no connection to it? And they were like, well, we wanted to make a sci-fi immersive sim, and Bethesda had this name. Yeah. Uh, so it was just like, hey, you want to make a sci-fi game? We have this sci-fi name. Ba-ding. It's weird that, like, how did Bethesda, like, actually, no, let's not get too far into this, but, like, how did they even end up with the name? Like, and the, did they buy oh, the rights from Human Head? Yeah, super complex. Yeah, stuff. okay, let's not go into it. Um, so, what, what am Prey then? What, um, what do you do in Prey? Uh, like, System Shock, you know, System Shock is probably a good comparison. Like, you are, you're a guy or girl called Morgan Yu, um, and you are either arrive or are part of this space station called Talos-1, which is orbiting the moon. Talos-1 is involved in human experimentation of some kind. You're not sure any of the details when you start, apparently, and you're not really sure why you're there when you start, sounds like. Um, but what you are sure of is that if you find this canister, of this, this sort of uh, injector called a Neuromod, you will inject it into your eye. 
Uh, it's quite Bioshocky in that way, where you see uh, we sort of cut scene of him, yeah, you know, in, injecting this thing into his eye. Is that and why you, in that trailer he had a he's red got the eye, weird red eye thing? Yeah. yeah, and you just think, stop injecting game characters, stop injecting <laughs> things into yourselves for no reason. Yeah, like the start of Bioshock. Yeah, he just, just plunges it into his arm, yeah. and, and like it, that, that doesn't even like tie into the big. The, um, no the, one, the big twist of Bioshock, because yeah, no he said, never says the, yeah. the words. At least in Bioshock Infinite, they look like you're drinking bubble bath. Sup and dance on Radox. <laughs> drink this and you can shoot crows out of your arms. You'd, I mean, you'd consider that, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd at least give it second thought, whereas inject this thing into your arm for no reason. Perhaps not, no. It's anyway. not for me. But yeah, anyway, um, anyway, disaster. It turns out there are now aliens on the spaceship and they are strange shadowy formations that can transform into everyday items. Uh, so we see one of, the, one of the aliens sort of hide as a chair in the environment. Uh, it's, it's a purely emergent thing. Like, so I was talking to a couple of Arcane's guys about it. Um, like when, when you're coming, the alien will scan what physics objects are in the room and can just turn into one of them. And apparently that makes it quite difficult to test because that's, the... That's brilliant. So yeah. when you're walking through a room, you're going to be like, you're, you know, cautiously yeah, exactly. looking at every chair like, is that a shadow demon? It's a lot like yeah. um, prop hunting, Gary's mod, uh, that sort of multiplayer game where people just turn into barrels and then wander about as I barrels. Bet Dark Souls esque as well, and other players yeah, yeah, use yeah, the. Yeah, yeah, you um, do it in that kind yeah. of yeah. It's like if you see a chair on top of a washing machine or something, you'd be like, That's probably wait a, a minute. Hold on. <laughs> I like, so, do, uh, are, the, are the placements of them going to be like, it'll look like just a chair placed by an artist? They won't, they won't be like. Well, I don't, is there I, any I, cues, visual cues to make you help you recognise? I them guess or? because it is like an emergent thing, you could end up with chairs in places where no chair should be. I like that because aliens wouldn't know like no. where yeah, a chair exactly. goes. So, what is, so that's yeah. kind of cool. What was interesting, Phil, reading your preview in the uh, the magazine, which is out uh, a couple of weeks from now, mm -hmm. um, you sound like it sounds like there's a kind of interesting uh, tonal thing going on where the game's quite the premise is quite yeah. serious, but there is an element of like emergent slapstick to it. So building upon the object alien shadow thing, you can, like, f the neuromods give you very sort of almost deus exy style powers, like if you see a big box, if you take a strength neuromod, you can pick it up and throw it and stuff. Like ah, that's immersive sims. Exactly. That's, <laughs> that's like your strength and uh, a bunch of other things, speed, probably jumping, who knows, you know, that sort of stuff. Also, you can scan the aliens, and by scanning the aliens, you can learn powers off them, including the ability to mimic as objects. So, um, in the, in the more sort of serious version of this, you could you know, transform yourself into a turret and use it to gun down and use yourself to gun down enemies. But in like there, there was as part of the uh, Quake on keynote, there was an off-stream bit where they showed us some footage, and part of it was. You know those little security windows where there's a little gap in the bottom that you can pass documents and stuff mm. through? Um, there, there was one of those, that, uh, and some stuff behind a door that we needed to get to. To get into it, he transformed into a mug and just sort of rolled into the room <laughs> and bounced around. And obviously, that's kind of hilarious and silly. Um, but, like, the trailer is very much... This is, you know, a dark and brooding horror game. And, and the two things don't quite match up. But like talking to Arcane, they're fine with that because they're just like, well, you know, we didn't do that. You did that as the player. You decided to make it. It's like Deus Ex, isn't it? It's full of mugs in a way. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Deus Ex has this really brooding, serious yeah, story, yeah. and then you can do ludicrous, like play basketball with a, a corpse and stuff. They're very much that. fine with that because it's a case of, well, no, we're just giving you like the tools that to do interesting things. If you want to then be silly with it, 
then that's that's your that's your own business, frankly. That's really who are we to judge? If you're a mug, yes. Uh, do aliens know that you're a human pretending to be a mug, or are you tricking them the same way that they try and trick you? That's a good question. And that'd be interesting. If if two if you you and an alien both walked into a room at the same time, one becomes a chair and the other one just becomes a mug, like, and you're in this standoff. There is I was a, just thinking that yeah, playing <laughs> chicken like. There is a stealth yeah. element because there was a moment in like game footage where one of the bigger enemies comes through and he comes crashing into a door and then uses, because you know, he's a shadow, he sort of oozes through it. Mm. But the stealth indicator, a stealth indicator started going off, so there is like a, there is stealth systems in it, obviously, because it's an yeah. arcane game. Uh, so, yeah, there might be a case of you can, instead of just getting in a cardboard box, you can turn into a cardboard box yes. and just, I mean, that would be pretty cool. But, What's uh, the um, station like uh, visually? Is it like retro futuristic, or is it all sleek and shiny and modern looking? Uh, it's a bit uh, Kubrick to me. Yeah, it, the, the, there's there is like Art Deco elements and it, it, some some Bioshock influences there uh, in terms of design. I've actually got a much more detailed answer about this about yeah. their, their art style, but it's hidden on my phone. I could look it up and read a quote if you. You want yeah, to talk about fine. yourselves for a second? Yeah, okay, I will. Um, I'll, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was first reminded of. Um, do you remember the original pitch for what became the Bureau XCOM Declassified? Oh god, yeah, they were yeah. really cool looking aliens. Yeah, yeah they, they were. were. And then uh, obviously everyone had an absolute cry about it and um, <laughs> said, "This is an XCOM," even though Firaxis were making the exact XCOM game everyone wanted. <laughs> they hadn't yeah. announced that. Then. No, like maybe no, if they'd true. announced the two of them at the same time, then like the Bureau would have got. A they bit were building the sort of weird geometric shapes that would like break apart and mm. yeah. Very cool. But instead, like, uh, yeah, um, uh, it was the first example of uh, internet crybabies having their own way. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that game was retooled into something that was quite boring and no one really cared, uh, which is a shame because the choice of setting was really cool. And uh, yeah, anyway. But yeah, I was reminded a bit of that. Like, yeah, uh, definitely. And then I was thinking about how, like, um, I like how immersive sims are kind of on this. Like, there's like three variants of immersive sim. There's you basically your system shock setting, your thief setting, your Deus Ex setting. And they've been recycling those or refreshing those for like 15 years. And City, I, space, or yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, I, Medieval. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, uh, I quite like that. But it's interesting that Immersive Sims come back around to the same set of yeah. uh, It's like themes, a Westworld, yeah. you know, the theme park. You've got yeah. the zones, the Immersive Sim theme park <laughs> for all the different zones. I was thinking of the Crystal Maze, just to, you know, <laughs> which forms different Immersive Sim. Yeah. I love the look of it though. This this uh, this kind of look like uh, uh, it's quite exciting. Arcane making two games at once. Yeah, as well. it's great. Like, really uh, anything that's a new uh, IP. Uh, I hate that word. Sorry, but anything that's a new property. That's even worse. Yeah, worse. I, like I just like new. Yeah. Andy's Twitter followers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something that's not anything that's not a sequel, especially in our line of work. Yeah, we see so many games is always exciting, isn't it? I think so. And it seems like Bethesda is more interested in like these types of PC friendly games than anyone else right now like um, you know obviously like Quake and Doom are kind of uh, revivals of things uh, that have existed for a long time but they uh, you know we don't know about Quake yet but Doom was legit you know and yeah, that, that felt like a new version of something we'd already seen before and it, even alongside that you've got you know The Evil Within and um, mm. yeah and Prey they're on and, fire at the moment Bethesda actually mm. yeah, yeah had a good few years for sure yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wolfenstein um, go on, Phil, what was your answer? So, uh, Ricardo Bear, uh, who is the lead designer, I think, uh, told me, like, they've done something similar here. We went all the way back to the 1950s and started thinking about the space race with the Soviet Union and Americans, that whole era of trying to one-up each other. Uh, and basically, they've gone with an alt history thing where Kennedy didn't die. So, if John F. Kennedy wasn't assassinated, shadow aliens will attack a moon <laughs> space station. It's funny because that's I, just fact. Has anyone now. seen um, 112263 that 
TV series adaptation of the Stephen King book. No. Okay, actually, no, I won't spoil it for all the people listening. Um, but yeah, basically, that's about saving Kennedy, and they save Kennedy, and things get worse. And it's yeah. like, oh no, we have to go back and make sure that Kennedy dies. <laughs> um, Was that yeah. Red the Wolf where they have to get Kennedy to kill himself? Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, there'll be like a bunch of his like inspirations, but sixties and seventies kind of era uh, mm. decorations. Some of it will be quite Russian themed as okay. part. See of, that like, instantly. I mean, that sounds brilliant. They, they, yeah. I like when they're not like they've thought about the aesthetic. Yeah, they, they've thought about the history and and yeah. why it looks the way it does. It's not just a case of this yeah. is generic space station. I'm into that. Yeah, good. I look forward to uh, like, seeing more about it. As I'm well, fully yeah. on board. Like, yeah, no, I, I, I did wonder. Okay, like everybody, I wondered why is this prey? Why is it called prey? What are they doing? What's this going to be? But no, it looks great. It looks a lot of fun. It's got all the immersive sim freedom that we crave. Basically, immersive sims are now in the best shape they've been ever, probably. Yeah. Like um, between New Deus Ex and mm. Dishonored Two coming out, yeah. and this, like, and, this. and then the System Shock remake and System Shock Three, like. Uh, there's no shortage of stuff. It's and, really cool. Yeah, Slayer Shock. Yeah, yeah. Which is I've just I've just realised Slayer Shock, System Shock, System Shock. Yeah. <laughs> I see what he did there. Yeah, he used the what, word shock. That yeah, is, that is what he did. It's a good name. You can read uh, that a preview of that in the next issue. Yeah, so well, good. I don't mention that because I've only just realised it. <laughs> I could run back upstairs and change another part of the magazine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so that was uh, QuakeCon. There be, might be some more stuff we can talk about next week on that. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there was other things but Andy you went to Newcastle mm. which I initially felt guilty about because that's miles away yeah. and most of my family lives there and whenever I see them I feel very sad uh, so, <laughs> it's alright yeah okay yeah. alright well, so uh, you went there to see Ubisoft Reflections yeah or as the well you know I've always called them Ubisoft Reflections but they're called Reflections at Ubisoft Studio not an Ubisoft <laughs> Studio at Ubisoft Studio oh, so if you man. look at all the companies like uh, I think it's like Massive at Ubisoft Studio it's so weird. It's on all the like printed logos and stuff. Do I think U is a consonant? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, but then you well. could say I Ubisoft Studio. But I asked one of the pe- <laughs> one of the people from from Ubisoft. Is it Ubisoft or Ubisoft? And apparently internally they're just like it's whatever. So I'm so, guessing. So I'm, <laughs> guessing, give a shit. So yeah. I'm guessing as soon as you got that cleared up, the day was over. And you had <laughs> yeah, to, like, that was it. The whole trip was just me trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, and no, I went. So I went to see Reflections, who have been around. Since the nineties, yeah, ninety six, I think they've maybe even earlier. They actually no, it was earlier. I think they've been knocking about since the eighties, actually. Wow. Um, so they still, you know, the now they're a massive. Uh, I was going to say cog in the the uh, at Ubisoft machine, <laughs> in that, in that Ubi but that machine. makes it sound negative. But they're like they're just like an, an arm of the, the Ubisoft empire now. You know, they're working on original games and contributing to those games that have got a million logos at the start. Made by every studio in the world. Um, if if someone wants to add a car section to Just Dance, yeah. they're the people mm, you yeah. call. <laughs> well, that's the thing that they do. The, they do the driving in Ubisoft Ubisoft games. Yeah. They do the cars because obviously they've been making driving games for a long time. Mm. Uh, they did the the brilliant Driver San Francisco, um, yes. where you could quantum leap into, into other people's minds for no reason. I've still never played this, but yeah. I'm told it's. Oh yeah, uh, you should. It's, good. it's something special. It's good. Dumb as hammers, but my yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. It's just that thing like you're in a car chase and you think I'm just gonna jump into that bus driver and drive the bus in front of the person I'm chasing, stop them. Like it's just it makes no sense. 
uh, from a story perspective, but from a game perspective, there's lines brilliant. of dialogue for like whenever you jump into anyone with a pa- who've got a passenger next to yeah. them, the passenger will comment on what you've been doing. Or what are you like, doing? Ugh. Stop driving like that! You're like, yeah, it's good, stupid, but good. And the, throughout the whole game, like Tanner's just twitching on a hospital bed. It's all happening in his head. Oh, of course, <laughs> it was like kind of life on life Mars. On Mars yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, so I, I I wasn't seeing a new driver. I was seeing saw a bunch of stuff, but one of the coolest things for me being interested in stuff behind the curtain with game development was they've developed this tool called VED, I think, which is like their own in-house car handling tool. So we went over to a corner of the office and there was four big TVs. On the left there was a TV with Watch Dogs 2 and VEdit, and on the right there was Ghost Recon Wildlands Wildlands and VEdit. And so it was shown that it's the same software hooked up to these games. Um, So I I had to go on Watch Dogs 2 I uh, drove a car around uh, San Francisco, and as I was doing it, one of the developers was adjusting sliders. There's like a million sliders for every possible bit of physics you could think of on a car, like you know, suspension, torque, and like incremental levels just nested as deep as you know, so deep. And he was just t- t- tweaking all these little variables, and you could just feel the car like get heavier. Wow. You know, that sort of like thing about a car feeling heavy is how why the handling mm. is good, like Forza does it really well, where the cars feel like. So for some reason the illusion of weight is there and it was really interesting just watching them sliding this little thing and suddenly my sports car would like just feel like a you know a van like they'd adjust the weight at the back or the front and it and it would just you know real time playing the game and that's how they do the handling in these games so someone sits with every car in Watch Dogs 2 and drives around and tweaks the handling to feel like what it looks like so like in a truck you know they'll adjust the weight appropriately um, and it's just really interesting that it's all that's just to see how they do it how you know so every car, they're saying that the cars and watchdogs are going to have a lot more variety between them. You know, like GTA has always been great at making vehicles feel different. Mm-hmm. When you get in a muscle car, it feels very different from like a you know a sports car or whatever. So particularly these days. Yeah, and they did, I did the same in Ghost Recon. Um, I was in a field with a lot of vehicles, and then I wasn't allowed to leave this field because like, <laughs> the, the game's out there, and we're not showing the game off yet. So just drive around in this cornfield, and it was the same thing. You know, got on a buggy, and he like raised the suspension, so it was like a, it just shot in the air, and it was on these big wobbly spring legs, and he really lowered it, and it just felt you know it was quite cool. What was um uh, this is a, not quite off topic. What was San Fran like in Watch Dogs too? Because I didn't get to see much of that when I um, played. The um, game well, I only saw a little bit of it, but I was. The bit that I was driving around is a bit I visited when I was there quite a lot, which mm. is down by the marina, you know, where the um, the sea lines are. That's where I started, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and it's the you know the the bridges there, the Bay Bridge and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it just, yeah, it looked, it looked pretty good. It was like obviously a very early version. It had like code running down the screen and all that. It was like very alpha. Um, but yeah, the car, you know, the cars felt nice, but obviously it wasn't representative of the real game because you won't have a developer. Pulling sliders Custom up and down as you play. Every yeah. you get in. That was you quite good. for that service. Yeah. Come and tailor my experience. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know why they don't just put that tool, like a simplified version of that tool, into the game. And like, you go into a garage and you can like just turn your um, your, you know your Prius into a muscle car. I'd have to not be able to steer my, uh, my Mustang. Please. <laughs> yeah. um, how was um? What else did you see while you were there? You saw Grow Up, right? The, yeah, I played uh, Grow Up. Grow, grow Home. Yeah, and Grow Home. I, I've talked about in the podcast before. Is one of my favorite. You know, games I've played recently, great 3D platformer with procedural animation, really interesting game. And uh, the idea of the first one was to grow this giant star plant up to reach your spaceship in the atmosphere, and it was all about climbing up. You know, it was like it was extreme platforming where you were like trying to precariously make your way up to the top of this massive world. 
it's the same thing again. You're trying to reach the moon now, so it's higher. But instead of being an island with water on all sides, uh, which is essentially just an invisible barrier keeping you mm. in, now it's on a, pla- a planet which is folded on around over itself. So if you walk from one end to the other, you just loop around. It's like a kind of like kind it's of like a Mario Galaxy. Yeah, like Mario Galaxy or an actual planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Everything about us still there. <laughs> and now there's like it's the same movement. They've kept that great procedural animation where it feels he's got that really interesting momentum where you've got you're sort of wrestling against physics to move, but and not not in a way that's annoying. It feels really tactile and and fun. But now there's biomes on the planet, so there's like a guess guess what the biomes are. Is it ice? I uh, there's no ice one. I don't think there's like a temperate one, and each lava. Yeah, I I don't know what actually. It was only desert, tropical, and temperate. There's one more. I don't know what the other one. Mushroom forest, rain. Yeah, Uh, green hill zone. Yeah, (laughs) that's where you start the green hill zone. And the the star plant you grow on each biome has different behavior. So like in the temperate zone, it'll have these big mushroom things growing out of it that'll bounce you up. Okay. Um, and it's just like yeah, giant (laughs) mushrooms. But it best game ever. It's just um, they've just taken the same game. Added in a few more uh, tools that let you basically fly a bit more because it's to make up for the size and it's just bigger and it just looks incredible when you get up to those heights in the first game looking down at the... Because when, when you grow this plant, you, you control the direction the tendrils move. So when you look at the end of Grow Home, when you look down and you see the plant rising up, you go, you know, you drew it kind of thing. You chose the direction that it grew in. Um, it's that, but like twice as high, and they loaded up a, a late game save where it had been grown already, and just looking down, and it was an absolutely amazing, you know, view. This just endless sea of crazy geometry and mad giant I, mushrooms and stuff. It's cool. I bought the first one about a month ago. Did I waste my money, and should I just play this one? Uh, it's a good way. To, actually, the first one's a good way to learn, get used to the climbing and stuff, because okay. in this one apparently there's, there's more mobility. You've got a glider thing that lets you fly f- for a while and hmm. stuff like that. So they said that it's very different. The second one, they want to play up to the acrobatic stuff where you're taking mad risks and taking you know death-defying leaps and stuff, whereas the first one's more about the... It's almost like a puzzle about how you climb at the top of the world. So I'd say that they're quite differently flavoured. It's an interesting game for a, a developer like that to make. Like, um, mm. Didn't you say in your preview that it starts off, started off as like a side project that just a couple of devs working yeah, on? Yeah, it's a physics programmer was... Uh, playing with procedural animation and they created what is the bare bones of you know Bud the hero of uh, the Grow games I guess the Grow series you can call it now the Grow franchise yeah the Grow franchise <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they just sort of gave him arms and then sort of built on a climbing mechanic and then just went oh yeah let's just make a game out of this so and it's quite a small team I think it's like it's, uh, 8 to 10 people uh, led by a sort of veteran of reflections has been there you know, since the driver days, I think, or maybe a bit later. Um, so yeah, it's just weird, cool game, and I'm really glad that you know it would be a spending money and a given time to make these weird things alongside Watch Dogs. You know. Yeah. Mm. No, I, I I look forward to seeing how it turns out. I think it's out in like a week or two, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually next week as we record this. So yeah, I'm really really excited about it. Um, I think the first one's probably the you know, among the best 3D platformers on PC, there's not many of them. No, but true. you've got that, and you've got the ukulele coming out, and some other stuff. So, I think it's a, a now that like controllers are just like a you know yeah. part of playing PC games now. There was a time when they were sort of maligned ridiculously, but now it's like 
now that Control, everyone's got one pretty much, it's good to see more of those types of games. Yeah, for sure. You could always uh, <coughs> emulate some from uh, <coughs> consoles as well. That's you. illegal. <laughs> it is illegal, unless you and I don't endorse yeah, it. Yeah, unless you own the original cartridge, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay, cool. So, um, also, Andy, you and I have both been playing Abzu. Yeah. Uh, is that the, how you say it? I think so. I, I don't, I don't, have I, you been saying it? Uh, Abzu, but I'm just wondering. Is, is, it that, right? you, is that what I said? That's what I say as well, oh, right, Abzu, okay. but I'm just wondering if that is that right? Hasn't it no... got like a symbol over the Z or oh, something? Oh yeah, like an umlaut yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Abzu, the the <laughs> the underwater experience. It, it sounds is, like a ride. It is quite a bit like Echo the Dolphin. Um, yeah. And like it's not as uh, quite as gamey as that. Like it's uh, it's kind of like uh, we talked about this on previous podcasts uh, when I saw it at E3, but it's a bit like Journey in that you're basically going between pretty environments um, to some kind of end point yeah. uh, I suppose <clears throat> loosely in the genre of walkabout games um, as yeah. we called them with, swim uh, about yeah swim about because it's a yeah well, I, I went into it not knowing anything about it um, mm. and I thought it was a side-scrolling thing for some reason my, you know I had the idea in my head that it was a, some sort of side-scrolling platformer I think I did originally Probably yeah just- the only thing I knew about it was an indie game. Yeah, so exactly. I just that was it. it. Was based on nothing. We are the ones. And then you start so down the <laughs> or Rocket League. But then you start the game and like you're uh, you're in this you know massive uh, expanse of water and like you uh, just start swimming around and it's so fluid. The, the swimming controls are just amazing. It feels so fun to like and effortless to sort of gracefully spin around and uh, mm. the boost thing is so satisfying. You can hit the boost thing three times and then you get incrementally faster. And you can sort of use that to like do mad stunts and jump out of the water, and all the fish jump out with you, and yeah, it's yeah. amazing. So, I've not played Abzu, but I've heard that there are a shitload of fish and not a load else. Is it just a looking at fish simulator? No, not really. No, it's, it's a bit, there's a bit of gaminess to it, isn't there? Where you've got to sort of find uh, find your way through each stage. Yeah, like, there's a locked door kind of thing. You've got to either press some of get a little robot drone to open summit for you but everything is spotlighted by light that comes through the surface of the water um, so that kind of guides you towards your objectives but yeah. I'd say it's slightly gamier than Journey where the only real okay. game element was growing your scarf as we've discussed but the, before but the fish are enough like on PC there's an ultra setting for fish and really like definitely put that on because I, I, I wrote a thing for about uh, about it for most recent, the next issue um, saying that it takes a lot these days for a game to make me genuinely like Sort of stop and like go, whoa! And but, I think Abzu did that several times. Where just uh, the music crescendos, and suddenly you're surrounded by a billion fluorescent fish, and like you know, amazing stuffs happening all around you. And I was a few times, I was genuinely, I was awestruck. Yeah, I was, I, I was awestruck at times <clears throat> actually. Cause yeah. At first, uh, I didn't love it, but then like um, <clears throat> when the blue whales oh, turn yeah, up, yeah. that's actually like quite incredible. Yeah. Eight plus whales, eh? Really, of, I almost yeah. feel like that's a spoiler. Yeah. It's just a type <laughs> of animal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you sort of, you, you just see an, an eye next to you and it's as big as you and the camera just sort of pulls back and it's <laughs> just an enormous whale. Which is like, which is a moment that happens in Echo the Dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this might be spoilers, but are there jellyfish? Because oh, I'm yeah. actually terrified of jellyfish. Yeah, there's a, there's a bit where you go there for was... a whole, uh, like about a thousand fluorescent jellyfish. That, one of the Vive yeah. demos has jellyfish in it, yeah. that, that blue the thing, blue, and I yeah. had to just lie down on the floor <laughs> in the hope that they wouldn't come near me. Yeah, well the fish things, like, I, I was actually quite interested in that, um, 
because I really like like David Attenborough documentaries, and they're all real fish, and you can grab onto them, and it tells you the species name of them. Yeah, so I, I was just grabbing like, like David Attenborough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just needs a narration. I was just I was spent a long time just grabbing fish to find out what they were, and I, and I ended up looking a few of of them up on Wikipedia and going ah now I know something about that fish it was quite, that's cool it was quite funny um, the way I uh, <laughs> there's these bits in the game where you'll see like a, a little hole in the ground and you'll hit a button and it will light up and fish will come out yeah. and I just went oh I've unplugged another fish hole and I just <laughs> yeah. thought okay, what game am I playing yeah. <laughs> each, yeah, each area has got a little fish hole and you, you unplug it and like a, a, new, a new species will come out like a puffer fish or like a goblin <laughs> shark that's how evolution works <laughs> <laughs> and as you get sort of further into the game it's starts to the sea creatures get a lot more exotic like all those weird things that live at the bottom of the um, Mariana Trench like angler fish and mm. goblin so, sharks and some penguins as well it's a penguins. I don't. It's any penguins. I'm sure. I'm, I'm back in because I don't love absolutely as much as you guys. But if there are penguins yeah. ahead. I'm, I, I don't know. I, I don't like. Love I don't love it as such. Mm. I'm glad I played it. Um, I, I, I th- I'd say that m- other games a bit like it that were made by that game company on PS3 yeah. and PS4, Flower and um, Journey, had slightly more impact. And I wonder if it's just because they came first. But like, um, the yeah, wor- well, I played both those games, and this for some reason just just hit me a bit harder so you feel yeah. like you're in a very weird world being down there like it's a strange it's a very unique feeling I think and but, there's a cool bit of um, uh, environmental stuff where you sort of go into these ruins and you'll see um, sort of uh, triptychs and hieroglyphs and stuff that look vaguely like you yeah. and it, it gives you that sense of like um, it, it's never really explained why you're there or, or why that stuff's painted on the walls but it's cool it just it, it doesn't really matter like looking up the explanation afterwards doesn't matter it's just about that evocative like yeah sense of like what's going on here this is cool and mysterious yeah I, I liked it I liked it uh, so why, why weren't you particularly in there Tom? I, I found the structure to be a bit repetitive in terms of just you're in a big room and then you go through a little tunnel then you're in another big room and then that's the game over and over and over and over again and occasionally what rooms though I oh, know the rooms are quite nice <laughs> but um, I, I think I had less wonder seeing them I, I felt almost quite constrained by it by that by that structure mm. just oh. going through the same pattern over and over again it's about we should say it's about two hours long very um, short yeah mm. yeah which is a good length like by the end of it I felt like it, it would you know it lasted a satisfying amount of time I didn't you know I've played it twice now actually um, and yeah, just it's like once you start seeing the seams of like the game design, you notice that each room is you go and find a little drone to open a door to the next big room. But yeah, uh, find the fish holes. <clears throat> yeah, find the fish holes, which are option optional fish holes. But I um, but yeah, like uh, <laughs> genuine moments of wonder, like the um, the blue whale. I, I honestly thought was incredible. Just yeah. seeing like seven of them swimming alongside yeah. you suddenly. Yeah, cool. the music's by um, Austin Wintory, mm-hmm. the only video game composer to ever be nominated for an Emmy. I thought you were going to say the only video game composer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it yeah. sounds like it. Certainly in indie games. Though. Yeah, but he's... I, don't, I actually don't think he does that many. He's quite selective, I think. Uh, uh, yeah, I think he composer. did Banner Saga, yeah. and um, did he do Assassin's Creed Syndicate as well? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah he's pretty. I, th- I thought it's, it's score. It's on Spotify actually. The score. Mm. If you just like good game music and you don't want to, you don't necessarily care about playing it. Listen to the score on Spotify. It's pretty amazing. I wouldn't take that playing it. I liked it. it yeah, was, uh, yeah. So it's a it's a pleasant game. I liked it more than I some real expected. Yeah, I'd say it was like one of my favorite of the year. And it, was, it was just cool for to go from not knowing anything about a game to it suddenly mm. being like. Yeah. Yeah. And James Davenport from our US team reviewed it on the site and gave it eighty eight percent I believe. Yeah. Um, I hope that's correct. It's not for everyone though, it's definitely 
yeah, it's devi- one of them divisive arty indie games. Yeah, one of those bloody things. But yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I love it. You've you've got a good you've got a good you've got every opinion you've got loves it not that fussed and thought it was pretty good and hasn't played it actually no one hates it we need someone who hates it in here now <laughs> just for the extreme balance but yeah. okay uh, cool yeah, absolutely good play absolutely. it yeah absolutely very good that's, absolutely uh, that's my camp oh very good um, okay cool so um, speaking of RT indie games um, we're going to talk about uh, well Phil is going to talk about EDF. 4.1, The Shadow of New Despair <laughs> versus Gundam. I added that last bit. <laughs> Dream Drop Force. Distance. Yeah. <laughs> Part 3. Yeah. What a game, eh? Yeah. Yeah, this was um, this was one of those um, quite niche uh, Japanese games that randomly appeared on Steam one day, uh, which seems to be happening more and more, which is a good thing, because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they're like Earth Defense Force, in which uh, you are a member of an Earth Defense Force, and you have to kill giant ants. No, sorry, giant insects. They're always giant insects. Uh, that's that's the name of the race, apparently. So you're not an energy supplier based in the UK? <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Local jokes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in America, you'll have to look that one up. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, America. Um, yeah, they're always giant insects, whether you're fighting an ant or a spider, which, as we all know, is not an insect. Yeah, so I was going to say, no, actually. It's, actually. it's not scientifically accurate. Uh, not, not as far as I can <laughs> maybe it's if Maybe it's what happens if, like, Reagan was assassinated. <laughs> or Jimmy Carter. Yeah. So in Absu, you're surrounded by uh, beautiful sea life, which you swim along with in harmony. In EDF, you're surrounded by millions of insects, which you Lots of destroy ants. Some with of rockets. which are red for some reason. Because yeah, don't, you don't, have they, to shoot don't those them ones um, have fire coming out of them? Not that I know. Like fire ants. Oh, no, I'm thinking of um, Red Alert. Sorry. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no, these ones are just slightly tougher. And then later, there were gold ants. But that's, that's almost coming up. Spoilers. <laughs> so, like, there are robots, too, actually. The robots are also bad. You've got to shoot them. This series has knocked around for quite a while. Like, yeah. um, when I joined Games Media about ten years ago, there yes. was this 360 version of this game that was like one of the first ones to come over here. Um, was that 2017, or yeah, like something yeah. like that. Um, which since it's almost 2017, <laughs> and we haven't <laughs> yeah. been attacked by insects yet. It's, one uh, year to go. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Like, uh, and it was a bit of a cult favorite because um, it's got this really janky animation in these like cities that look like they're from Power Rangers and just get knocked down. These cardboard cities and like uh, mm. it's quite. Yeah, there's, I, a, there's a guilty pleasure to it. It's it's maximum video games. Like it's chunky as all hell. There is no immersion to it whatsoever. Like you are not you're not ever going to get involved into the lore of EDF. It's like a, you're not going to be ever be awestruck by EDF. It's the Dynasty Warriors kind of it thing. It's right? very much in the Dynasty Warriors mold, but almost even like a little bit more chunky and broken. Yeah, yeah, um, and ridiculous because there's there's not even any like pretense at having characters or drama. It's just hey. It's mans. There shouldn't be. Kill them. <laughs> There's and um. Yeah, sorry. Go on. It's uh. I know it's it's quite a nice palate cleanser after you've just been on like uh, a journey of RT exploration, uh, down numerous fish holes. It's, it's <laughs> like a pa- an in- indie art game palate cleanser. Yeah, you just yeah. pop into EDF, kill some giant insects with rocket launchers, like. Basically, but like it does, it does conform to a lot of the kind of compulsive loops that good action RPGs have. In that, mm. uh, there are a lot of things to kill, 
when you kill them, they drop things like weapon, weapons, power-ups, uh, extra armor. You, you pick up these collectibles, you get new weapons, you try the new weapons to kill more giant insects, and it just sort of rolls along like that in a really sort of pleasing campaign strategy. It's also huge. There's like 90 missions. Um, it works perfectly like in co-op as well. Uh, there's, there's five or six difficulty levels. Each one like gives you even better loot if you switch onto it. Like, is on, it there's just co-op? Uh, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, four-player online co-op. Wow. I'm just surprised, because, like, I don't know, I assume that would have been more pain, more trouble than they'd be willing to put in, and they just do split-screen or something. No, they've done it, and it's, yeah, there is split-screen as well. Oh, like, cool. It's got, however you want to group together with some people, you can do that, or you can just do it on your own, because ultimately all you're doing is shooting giant insects. Uh, I am um, with ridiculous dialogue playing as you do it. Worth for the people out there listening to this, it's worth um, watching a trailer of this and like seeing the animations on the creatures because while it it looks shit, there is something oddly <coughs> disturbing about it. Like um, yeah, like the, it, it's almost like uh, it, it sometimes devolves into non-Euclidean hellscapes as like insects <laughs> clip through each other in tunnels <laughs> and it's just like this writhing mass of grey flesh, which it's, is quite like yeah, it's quite troubling at times. It's a bit like when um, you know you can download those Skyrim mods that make the creatures super big mm. and like the animation hasn't been adjusted um, so it's just <laughs> these giant twitching things that just kind of like you know spin out of control like it's very much that same slightly disturbing yeah. this is a They've bit obviously... shit but it has a, a, its own weirdly unintended horror effect. Yeah. It really does. They've also got their own like AI things so one of them is because they're insects they get to climb buildings so if they find a surface they'll just go up it sometimes but sometimes that surface is just a lamppost so it gets to the top and it just sort of freaks out <laughs> and flicks around on the top of this lamppost which is cool. That's cool. Okay so um, so if you're basically if all that sounds good this is a game Yeah for you. there are many reasons why you wouldn't want EDF like you know you might you might want games to look like they were made in 2016 or to be well put together or polished or to have fish holes. Like these are the things you might care about and if you care about these things don't buy EDF but if sometimes you just want to shoot ants for an hour or so while getting better weapons it sounds like a classic Steam sale game to me. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I look forward to uh, probably buying that when I've had a bit too much wine in October. Nice. Um, <laughs> okay, good stuff. So uh, next game we're going to talk about is We Happy Few. I'm not going to talk about this for too long. Uh, it came out a little while ago. Hmm. Uh, it's an early access game made by some former Bioshock developers. Um, uh, it looks really intriguing like as a setting. Weird kind of British pleasantries bit of Brazil and stuff. I can do that as well. Yeah. But uh, I found out when it was released, someone said it was a survival game, and that like, put me off instantly. Yeah, that's so, when I lost interest. I saw that great <laughs> intro sequence yeah. uh, where it's very Bioshock, and I thought, oh, it's a whole game of that, and it's not, is it? It's really not. And like yeah. that intro sequence is really good, and that was the basis of their E3 trailer. And you didn't see this survival stuff at all. No. Which you go from this super refined, what feels like a Bioshocky, slightly scripted. Uh, first person game to just being dumped in this open world without any context really and just like having to start looking at your thirst meter and all that stuff and it's is it like um, is it some a bit like so you're being hunted or something like that I've not played that in yeah. all honesty but like it's a bit it, it feels like most other survival games in a lot of ways like uh, 
but it almost that intro is so different from what the game is. It almost feels like they changed their minds about what game they wanted to make. Do you think they made that as like a, <clears throat> a sort of mood piece to set the tone they wanted, and then possibly they couldn't, they didn't have the budget or the means to make a whole game of that. Poss- and, uh, I don't uh, know. Or maybe yeah. they eventually will, because there are like there is going to be like a narrative element for each character. Mm. There's three characters in the game you can play as, but I think it was really cheeky to make an E3 trailer out of that. Mm. To be honest, like um, it doesn't. It doesn't feel anywhere near like it should be sold to the public to me. Right. Like, um, it's had. I played it um, on the day of launch, which is about three weeks ago <clears> now. <throat> and since then, they have uh, addressed some of the issues I had with it. So, you're dumped into this um, open world, right? And you have to get into the next open world, um, which is gated off by this guy who says you need this thing to get through. And you have to find a specific NPC to, to, get, to get this thing. And that NPC did not appear in my game at all. I could not find him, and I was just trapped in this part of the world. And um, there was a bunch of like quests and stuff uh, that appear in the menu, but none of them were, um, barring like one side quest, none of them were appearing on my map. Um, the, the map is procedurally generated for a reason I'm not clear on, because mm. it, it adds no value to it as far as I'm concerned. And I don't even know why permadeath is a thing in this, really. Uh, in fact, the whole survival game thing—I don't, I don't quite get why that's a part of what they were doing. Because I think it actually is quite a gorgeous-looking world. It's a bit repetitive at the moment, but they're adding bits to it um, to make it feel a bit less. Like they just added archways this week, for example, or they're going to, and um, just to change the look of it a bit. But there are specific buildings that appear in every version of the map, um, houses and stuff, where uh, people have like um, set up sort of survival areas. Just to give you a bit of, a, uh, bit of info about the premise, yeah. it's set in this world where everyone's taking these kind of these happy pills, basically, and then um, <clears throat> yeah, you decide to stop taking yours, and then you start seeing the world for what it really is. So I think the trailer has a survival sim, yeah. a horror. If you don't take your happy pills, the world turns into a survival <laughs> sim, which is yeah, quite an effective. early access survival sim. Oh my god, <laughs> there aren't any arches. <laughs> it's worse than I could ever have imagined. Um, so yeah, you're dumped into this um, part of the world where everyone who's off their pills goes. So they're all a bit messed up. These sort of like um, these druggies who are going cold turkey, and you've got this little base where there's this TV and this kind of like um, dystopian newscaster always talking on it, and all that stuff's quite nice. Like. I actually do think the fiction they're building is really good, but mm. you go from that really coherent intro to your guy just says loads of random dialogue as he's walking around, like uh, so it just sounds like just like cra- classic crazy person dialogue. Like uh, I can hear the voices inside my oh, head and all that sort of stuff. Um, that's not a direct quote, but it's that sort of level of like yeah. they'll just say that to random NPCs when you start quests and stuff, and it feels so janky, like. And I yeah, the survival elements are not fun at all. Like the the one bit I liked was I I fixed like a water fountain, and all these NPCs start fighting over it at the fountain and like they beat each other to death apart from one, and then I beat the other one to death and got my water and walked off. Um, <laughs> but it's just not survival elements aren't fun, and it has a crafting system. But I fucking resent the term crafting system <laughs> because it's not a crafting system. It's picking three things in a menu and then a thing just appearing in your menu. What did you craft? How is that crafting? It's the least correct term for a thing in video games. Yeah, Sorry, before this gets too ranty, but yeah, crafting is always balls, like in every game. So why do they call it crafting, and why have they got away with that for so long? Because it's not crafting. Combining. It's like if someone said combat <clears throat> is um, when you're in a pause menu, you just hit attack this guy and you never see anything that happens. I think the, the, guy is the alternative, though, is like, you know, clumsily 
sailor taping things to other things. Because awesome. <laughs> there's, there's no visual representation of the actual crafting process, there's no feedback to it. Oh, so do, do you not even hear that classic crafting sound of oh, the sailor tape being? Yeah. It might be something like that. <laughs> the thing is, there were there were bits I liked about this, like the characters you meet who give you side quests, like and that I I I did like some of that stuff, and like the interiors are really nice. I took some screenshots and put them on Twitter because mm. they've obviously got yeah. some Bioshocky art guys in there. The combat isn't very good. It's probably worse than Bioshock One's combat, which is quite uh, rough at this. <laughs> Damning. Yeah, uh, probably uh, yeah, probably slightly better than the original Deus Ex's like combat okay. feel. Um, God, that was bad. Yeah, let's not say <laughs> the original much, Deus Ex. <laughs> but it's like it's it's they fixed some things since I last played it. So you can okay. now set map markers, for mm. example, <clears throat> and I think they fixed like so. You, now when you use the map it's actually useful and quests will appear and stuff which is good and like um i think they're they're adding more quests as they go like it only had 50 percent of the overall story stuff that could happen in the environments um, mm. when i played it also you don't have to permadeath it you can turn permadeath off which is good <coughs> um there's a good game there's definitely a good game in there but there's a good game to be made but i don't know how I, I don't see how they will ever connect that intro sequence to what the game is right like how the scripted element how that can fit with what that game is like mm. they are not the same thing and I don't know how you do it but I guess that's their problem to solve but pretty much so the, it's got quite a lot of positive steam reviews but it feels to me like 23 pounds shouldn't be selling that in this state in my opinion like mm. um, maybe it's better now mm. than it was when I played it but I just think of, if you played that as preview code like at an event you go that's not really ready to be shown to the press like mm. that's that's no. how I felt about it Done. But there is a good game down the line, I think. Also, I just received breaking news from the president of Video Games. Uh, turns out we're no longer allowed to release early access survival games until one has come out of early access. <laughs> That's now illegal. It's a one in one out system. <laughs> Someone's going to have to finish their fucking game before we get any more. The only one worth playing. Guess what I'm going to say? You said Long Dark. The long dark. <laughs> Having played a lot of them, I think the only one worth playing is that. If you've ever been vaguely intrigued by the survival genre there's so much shit to wade through I still think you're way too small in that <sighs> yeah. so low to the ground I, th I, th I think that this thing about this is like, if you took the survival stuff out and just had the, a Bioshock-y game with like quests and side quests and the next area gated off until you finish those that sounds good. that'd be fine Yeah. I don't see why like making sure my I'm well fed and well and I've slept and I've drank enough adds anything it's to about, it does it seem a bit arbitrary like the, the plug the survival systems into a game that doesn't need it yeah yeah whereas if you took that out you might have something that resembles like uh playing something like skyrim like a small version of skyrim with a, a kind of like bioshocky feel to hey, it like maybe uh, they just needed some systems in there so it looked like a game while it was in early access and yeah. the final patch will be removing all survival stuff out <laughs> i played it for a good like i played it for like six hours or something like mm. I, I i and i was enjoying it at first but when i just couldn't I actually couldn't complete the quest to progress. I was like, "Why is this being sold mm. if this can happen at all?" Mm. Like, uh, is yeah. the um, ha uh, happiness pill thing? Is that a mechanic of the game at all, or is that used? Or yeah, like um, you actually, there are scarce pills around the environment, and when you take those, the color of the sky changes, mm. and like um, the world basically lights up, and and your character says slightly different bad NPC dialogue. Um, so like, um, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, like which I do, I did like that element, and um, mm. the next part of the the world which I didn't get to see because. It wasn't working. Was the um, is the place where all, everyone's got wax faces and they are taking the pills? So I suspect that's where the really interesting world building right. comes into it. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a good game there, but like um, they've said that there's six to twelve months of game development left, and I just think waiting three months and fix and making <clears> it feel <throat> like it's at least half complete when it comes out would have been a good idea. Mm. Seems uh, like a game that doesn't need to be early access. Like 
No, I don't see. I don't yeah. see why it does. It's like if you have survival elements, you have to go into early access. Why? Yeah. Why? It's to get um, money. The community doing your um, Q and A for you, isn't it? <laughs> but you do like what you do. Q&A. What, what you like lose Q&A. for the world like that, where they've actually thought quite long and hard about the world building, is you. People will just have the same. Could have a similar experience to me, and then never want to play it again. Yeah. And you, you wait. And you waste telling that story forever. Like I, I don't know. It's like. Hmm. Would you bring? What if you brought Bioshock out uh, in early access and like Fort Frolic wasn't there yet? And you're just like, oh yeah, the game runs out here, and then like, not yeah. all the dialogue was in there, and parts of the environment were unfinished, and like it was all repetitive. Like you wouldn't want to play the next version of it. You just you lose something, I think. And uh, yeah, that's how. Yeah, that's I'm not it. playing that until it comes out. Then yeah, yeah. good idea, good idea. Mm. But um, yeah, there is a good game in there, and I, I hope they get to the they point where it. all that fits together. <laughs> it seems to have done quite well on Steam, anyway. So. <clears throat> Um, okay, cool. Um, so finally, uh, today we're going to talk about Telltale's uh, Batman. Uh, I think that's what it's called. Uh, Batman, the Telltale series. Yeah, uh, Ubisoft. Studio. Uh, Ubisoft. Studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. So me and Andy have both played this. Andy, how was your experience of it? Yeah, well, it's probably best to go first because I've only played uh, like forty minutes of it, so it's very early impression. But the, the I really like Telltale games. But I always find myself getting bored of them about three episodes in and never finishing them. Does anyone else do that? No. I've only played The Walking Dead, I think. I've ab- I think abandoned Game of Thrones three episodes in, Wolf Among Us three episodes in. Mm. I just for some reason they, they they can't keep the momentum up. But I thought I'd try this one because I like Batman, and you know I just want I, I want to see how they're developing their style of game, but they aren't kind of thing. Yeah. So there's that there's that intro sequence where Batman, you know, there's a lot of um, thugs with guns. In an office building, and Batman comes in and does he Batman's them. He, you know, gets takes them all out one by one, scares them, and strings them up from the rafters and stuff. And you're doing all that, you know, it's, f- it's fine the animation and stuff. Uh, it looks a bit rough uh, visually, but you're doing all, you know, you're pressing the the prompts to throw batarangs, string people up, you know, creep up on people. I'm thinking the whole while was like, I can actually do this. Not actually, but I can <laughs> actually do this in an Arkham game, and I can actually have agency over it. I can choose when to string a guy up and when to throw a batarang. Yeah. This felt like I was directing someone else playing a, a not a quite as good Arkham game. Yeah, in a game that doesn't look anywhere near as good as Arkham in life. Yeah. Either just in like the character models, the effects, the animation. Yeah, the animation Ooh. is so stiff. Like That really bothered me with the Game of Thrones game, uh, particularly, which was... Mm. The animation is just so robotic. Like they need to, they need to sort that out. Like they should be at the forefront of like you know, beautifully animated cinematic cutsceney stuff. But yeah, it's just, I just felt like I could be playing an Arkham game and yeah. actually not actually doing this. I always feel like um, I'm watching a, a kind of Jerry Anderson puppet version of the <laughs> yeah. thing. But it's about because it is quite bad, and yeah. uh, especially especially the facial animation. They've just got like oh, someone's put the cross slider up for this bit, and yeah. then put the smile slider. And up there's for a this slight, bit. Um, a very slight pause as it as it plays the next animation during an action sequence. Uh, you know, like in Zelda, when you hit an enemy, the game freezes very quickly it's almost like that did you notice that like even on pc on like you know high you know high settings on a pc way over spec when you press the prompt to like punch catwoman there's just a slight very slight judder like it's yeah. not seamless because obviously it has because the game's thinking do i load the fail state animation mm. or the successful punch animation and, the, and you can see it thinking about it kind of yeah thing. whereas like something again like fallout is quite good at like not doing that um fallout 4 or a bioware game but, yeah um yeah yeah, I uh, I really really bounced off this one. Like, um, I've got a ton of unfinished Telltale games on my hard drive. Um, For context, you're a mega Batman fan. 
who, yeah. wrote a, who wrote a Batman reading list, which is very useful, by the way. <laughs> oh, good. You oh, can well. look on on your on your Twitter for, for that. Yeah, I've got it as a pinned tweet, uh, Samuel mm-hmm. W. Roberts, if you want to see that. But um, I hope it's useful anyway. That most of what's there is are good books. Um, the yeah. curios are more divisive, but I make that very clear. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I do like uh, Batman. I've seen the animated series, seen all the films, which I, I like most of them. Um, apart from the uh, Batman and Robin, and uh, I even kind of like Batman Forever. Because yeah, it's got right. a seal in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was good. I rate that film. Yeah, quite like it. Yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's fine. And um, yeah, so uh, Batman vs Superman was terrible, obviously. But in this, I was quite, I was quite open to a Telltale Batman game, so I thought yeah. they could do something quite, quite radical with it. But it actually feels like the most generic Batman story you could possibly do. Yeah, that's what really surprised one. me about it. They had no like the Arkham games took the familiar characters and put a little spin on them, whereas mm. this is just like Harvey Dent at a fundraiser, Catwoman's jumping in to steal something just before Batman you know gets there yeah and it just felt like there was so Batman by numbers yeah like um, I, the thing that what I loved about the Arkham games is they were really confident in presenting his whole world it's like yeah Killer Croc he's been around for a while when you go around Arkham Asylum and you can scan the environments it's like yep that's uh, Victor Zaz's cell and this whole world exists around him and mm. by the third game they're not afraid to say oh guess what there's been three Robins um, and you just sort of the game does explain as it goes mm. but it's not so crowbarred in in this it's like if you've seen the dark knight i don't know why any of the harvey dent stuff would be exciting like hmm. harvey dent has his whole face do you think he will by episode <laughs> five i don't know uh, yeah. half of it be burned away with acid and then um there's a there's a version of the penguin i thought was kind of interesting uh, where he's like he's like your old mate and he's he's not like the danny devito version he's like a skinny slightly messed up dude which i think actually might be borrowed from the tv show gotham where they've done that with that character and it's been quite acclaimed um and then yeah, it was just really boring. I, I didn't. If you sit, there's Batman origin stuff in it. Alfred's a dick in this as well. Uh, when I um when I uh I think, I don't think I broke a guy's arm. I think I threatened to do it. And then like that was enough for Alfred to go, Master Bruce, you're meant to be a good man and all this sort of stuff. And it's like I'm being Batman, and you're meant to be Alfred. You're yeah. meant to go unless I'm. Alfred like those Dark Knight films. Right? I'm literally stabbing someone right now. <laughs> Alfred in the Dark Knight films, right? Only like intervenes when um, Bruce Wayne's been retired for ten years, has a bad leg, and is about to go out in his airplane to fight Bane. And it's like maybe it's like, you shouldn't do whoa. this. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in this, he's just doing like every. He just like tortured a guy to get information, but didn't like torture him by like knifing him in the nads like Batfleck probably does. He just like doing normal Batman stuff, and like I thought that that felt off base to me. It does that thing where he's um, there's a scene where he's got his top off and he's all covered in scratches and scars, and Alfred's like, "You've got to stop doing this," and he goes, "No, I can't." But Gotham needs me, and it was just so like it's just so most ge- generic Batman scene you could imagine, like. Yeah. Why is why they had an opportunity to like, yeah, get, do a cool like take on Batman, and they've just oh, done the most yeah perfunctory Batman story imaginable. Reminds me of an amazing Batman animated <clears throat> series uh, episode, where the entire episode is just Batman being sad in the Batcave, and uh, Alfred is amazing in that episode. It's <clears throat> worth watching even if you don't like, if you like Batman. It's just a great, great episode, a great character episode, and, and very unusual things to appear in a kind of kids' TV show. Yeah, mm. um, and it's all about the psychology and you know why he gets up every day, why he does it, and is. Batman's moment of self-doubt and how he overcomes it without Alfred's help. Really, really good bit of Batman. That could have been the game. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's loads of stuff they could have borrowed. Like, they could have done, like, (coughs) try to adapt a story or something and let you change the outcome. But, like, um, 
Carmine Falcone's in this as well, which is a character who appeared in Batman Begins, but it actually stems from The Long Halloween, which is one of the classic Batman stories, like a year-long mystery mm. with um, uh, a killer called Calendar Man, which is a bit of a daft name. Um, <laughs> but it's Batman, hey? And so, like, um, and something like that just has real energy behind it, even though it's basically just about a mob war in <clears> Gotham. <throat> in this, it's just like, he's like, will you shake my hand? And I'm yeah. like, no. And he's like, well... He will remember that. That's the other thing. <laughs> um, that's the other thing is that all that stuff is still there from The Walking Dead, and that stuff is so clearly like built for The Walking Dead. It doesn't have to be the same in every single yeah. fictional universe. It's Batman. Change the way you tell stories. <laughs> yeah. Do it for Batman. That's it. They've done the kind of uh, equivalent of um, Traveller's Tales with uh, the Lego games. They've got a format, and they can slot an IP yeah. into it yeah. to create a, a telltale game. But they need to get new technology, like. Because you look at the animation in like you know most modern games, uh, it's getting to a really impressive level now. Even something like Inside, you know, which is the most beautiful animation, mm. you've still got these sort of uh, and it's like an animatronic mm. th- uh, thing at a theme park. Yeah, yeah, like you're watching these weird like mechanical characters juddering around. Yeah, like it's a real come down. If it, it, it's like it's <clears throat> it like it pretend it's that the Arkham games never happened and like the whole thing about how you can focus on Bruce Wayne. That's not interesting. He's just <laughs> just a guy in a suit who's like pretending not to be Batman at parties and functions. And like, they didn't even have the the, the sort of uh, bravery to go go fully with that. If they really done an entire Bruce Wayne game, but they had to get some some um, stiff Batman action scenes in there. Yeah. Like, they didn't even have the sort of the bravery to just go. This is just about Bruce. Yeah, know? yeah. And there's a there's like a good ish detective bit in it where like. Um, you have to piece. You have to link clues together. So basically, find two clues in the environment that match in some way, and then he'll piece together. Oh, so he went through this, and then this happened. That bit's okay, and there's promise there. But it wasn't as, it wasn't as good as like that bit in Arkham Knight where you have to trace where Barbara Gordon flipped out of flipped a car. Out of the car that bit was good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like in Arkham Origins as well, where you have to find out what happened when the Joker entered the Black Mask's apartment, and you, you piece it together by zooming backwards and forwards. Whoops, sorry, not scrubbing through the. the f- Hologram yeah. footage, yeah. That's like, and that felt way more. That was way more entertaining than this version of it. It's like, yeah, really don't recommend it um, personally. But there are some people who like Batman have enjoyed this, and I think some places it probably aren't as I don't know, lamely nerdy as I am. Like probably <laughs> just enjoyed, took it for what it is. But uh, to me, the Telltale formula feels tired, and it's not an exciting version of Batman. But I will play episode two to see how, if and how, like the choices are reflected. Yeah, I'm going to give it. Two episodes. Mm, fair enough. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that's that, and uh, the final game we're talking about today. In fact, I think I said that's the last game. But, you um, did. Well, it's gonna it's gonna be Grim Dawn, which Tom Senior has Grim been playing. Dawn. It's a good name. <laughs> you have that's, to say it like that. That's, that's the game games as well. It sounds like a Warhammer game. It does, it? which is not why I'm playing it actually. Uh, <laughs> although that is a good enough reason for me. Uh, it's from it's an action RPG from Crate Entertainment. I think they're called. Who are made up of kind of people who have formerly made Titan Quest. Which is a, um, mm. a, a decent old action RPG, and I think they've got some Blizzard people there who probably were in Diablo Sphere, and it's a very old school action RPG. Um, in that everything is horrible, there are millions of zombies everywhere, but the zombies they drop pretty cool weapons and uh, sometimes teeth, and then you could oh, combine nice. the teeth together in your inventory menu to make a bigger teeth, and then slot it into your armor to become more powerful. More crafting. Uh, and uh, of course, you can choose your uh, choose your class, and like Titan Quest, uh, you can multi-class. So once you reach level ten, you can choose a second class, and you, you get two skills trees. And if you're into that kind of nerdy stuff, like I am, that it's it's delightful 
like lots of theory crafting there stuff to think about when you're sitting on the toilet like you know what am I going to do with my druid <laughs> is, it, is he going to be like a lightning specialist or am I going to make his kind of tentacle dogs amazing uh, so uh, so far so Tom oh, uh, it's, it's, good, it's good shit I've got um, my guy's a shaman I think he's called and uh, as long as he's wielding a double handed weapon uh, everything gets electrocuted all the time oh, nice. and I, I'm not sure what that has to do with shamanism <laughs> particularly as a, a, like thematically but it is tremendous fun and it's, a, it's a, just a very, very well put together and very well placed action RPG that doesn't mess with the core kind of formula you know, to kill things. That that kill, collect, um, reward loop that Phil was mm. talking about earlier with EDF is just absolutely pure, and it looks nice. And it, it's spent absolutely years making it, and I don't think it's procedurally generated for a change, which means you get more kind of tailored and prettier environments. So there's a human hand that has kind of gone over these environments and made them look as pretty as they do uh, and I'd really really recommend it if you like Diablo or that kind of game at all it's really really good did we ever review it? we I'm did it got high 80s I think oh, I think Leaf reviewed it for us um, sounds a very Leaf game <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah, he'd love it and I think he did love it actually um, and particularly for the theory crafting and for the uh, even the soldier class is quite fun, which is quite unusual because mm -hmm. soldier classes tend to just be, you know, you're watching your tiny man it's from an elevated perspective hit things. That's like the least impressive thing you can do. sort of the introduction for the people who've never played the game before. Yeah. It's the most basic thing we can get you doing. Exactly, yeah. And and now I'm, I've, I've pure shaman at the moment, but I'm wondering what to what to dual class in. And you, you could go soldier, but I'm tempted to just kind of go full mad magic man with yeah. a big hammer. So uh, that's. I'll, I'll come back in a few weeks' time. Can you be a druid soldier. Um, yeah, you can be a like a shaman soldier, or you can Video be like games. an arcanist, druid, shaman <laughs> thing. Uh, so which class has got the tentacle dogs? Um, that's the, the the shaman has that. So it's, it's a giant tentacle kind of bear. <clears throat> actually, it's just really big. Oh, okay. I put loads of points into it. It just goes around fucking things up in the corner of the screen, and while I do this stuff with my hammer, it's that's really like good. a hunter's Excellent. pet type. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's not. It's a weird pet. You wouldn't. You, if you're going to magically, <laughs> if you're going to <laughs> you're gonna magically create a, a pet out of nothing, <clears throat> don't. I, I wouldn't make the giant tentacle bear from a horror movie. Mm. Uh, I would make just a cool dog or something. <laughs> nice An dog. electric dog. Electric dog. Switch off the electricity when uh, you're petting it. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> That'd be good. Optimum dog. Um, so um, synergy. Uh, so when did this come out then? Uh, I think this came. It's been in early access for a while, but it's <coughs> properly out uh -huh. this year, I believe. Yeah. I think okay. it was, uh, earlier this year it was actually reviewed by us. Oh, so what, we reviewed it in early access and gave it a score. No, no, I think we reviewed it when it came out properly. It came out earlier this year. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, but, yeah. but after it, a period of early access. Yeah, oh, right, a, long, yeah. a long period. It's been in development for ages, and I can kind of see why. It's really super polished. Never even heard of it. Maybe it's the name is quite. Grimdor. Generic. <laughs> it's quite a generic name, and I think there were a few ARPGs released around like the last couple of years with names that were not yeah. dissimilar. Yeah, there's one I reviewed, which is uh, more of an online thing. Uh, I can't remember what it is. Path of Exile? Path of Exile. Which is, that, oh, that yeah, was, that was really the Diablo like one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that, that was very. Um, remember you liking that? I time. enjoyed it. Well, I enjoyed <clears> that. Again, it was the, the kind of theory crafting that had a very just spectacularly open. Um, kind of modular system for it's like a sphere grid from Final Fantasy X. But yeah, but gone absurd, mad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gone gone crazy. And uh, you could kind of combine and slot gems, like four or five different combinations of gems, are connected or not connected into individual pieces of armor. Like it was an insane level of customization and very ambitious. I was quite impressed by that. Even if the kind of combat feel wasn't so good. Um, whereas Grim Dawn is far more traditional, uh, and the combat does feel much, much better, though not as good as Diablo 3. Uh, good question, actually. I'm not sure. Surely it is, because... They tend to be, 
ostensibly. Yeah. Is that why I saw you playing yesterday lunchtime, or was that Dota? Uh, that that was Grim Dawn. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been playing it at lunchtimes recently. It looked like Dota from a from like far away. Yeah, um, yeah, I did. I had the same thoughts. Top down magic oh, games. Yeah. Top right. Town games with lots of spell effects Top going down on. Top Down was all Dota now. I admire, assuming it was Dota, I admire your uh, will to go back because no, I can never go back. I've never gone back no, in, no. No. I did jump <laughs> back never. into a couple of bot matches because I've been watching the international. I was like, oh, could I do it? Can I, can I actually? Hmm. And no, because like, at some point you've got to stop playing with the computer against the easy AI and you've got to jump into with the actual humans. Yeah. 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 And Dota community is like demonstrably awful in many ways <laughs> like there's, there's a lot of them and it's very rare to get matched with the nice people from what I hear okay like even even dedicated players said oh whatever you do don't draft don't just jump into solo draft you'll have you'll have a bad time so no more dota for me well, fair enough um, well it, it, I mean luckily Tom wasn't playing dota anyway but mm. like um, no. but even so I, I will never go back either uh, no um, I so it's a nice looking game then, Tom. Yeah, it looks good. Uh, feels good. Is nice, and uh, if you like that sort of thing, it's awesome. Ah, uh, it's a hearty recommendation. Sweet, sweet. That's a that's a, a nice mini review. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, I could say we'll be back after the break, but I just create some more editing work for Andy. <laughs> and uh, I like to think I'm a good boss, so um, yeah. we're going to roll straight into a few we... questions. Probably not going to read all these out because we've been doing recording <clears throat> for quite a while. Um, so I might just pick uh, a couple of these here, and then we'll answer the rest on a future podcast. Um, Okay, woman from New York uh, City here and a huge fan of your podcast. I'm so glad you brought it back. I just had to write to tell you how much I love the feel and tone of your cast. You guys seem to be having fun and your humour is intelligent, snarky and dry. Oh, so far so good. Um, I honestly break out into a smile or guffaw on the subway pretty regularly when listening to you all. That freaks me out thinking of someone in America sat in a subway listening to this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I've also That's really weird. appreciated cool. them. Yeah, it's quite cool. It's oddly glamorous, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, when you have made fun of... Uh, sorry, I should read this whole sentence. I've also really appreciated the moments when you have made fun of racist, sexist, internet crybabies who moan about PC gaming evolving and you do it in a nonchalant way. Just wanted to say that we listeners appreciate your hard work and giving us a hilarious, irreverent podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously and provides news and hot takes on PC gaming. My hot take, that was raining caps, is that I don't understand why everyone loves The Witcher 3. There are so many cutscenes that it feels like an interactive movie. Everything feels belaboured, and why does everyone love the NPCs when they say the same things to one another constantly like so many other RPGs? Plus, the assets repeat endlessly in the towns. Okay, anyway, thanks for reading. That's from Miyabi in New York. That is a hot take. It is a hot take. <laughs> um, I've still not played enough of The Witcher to comment on this, so what do you guys think? There is, a, there is a lot of sitting, watching, talking, but I think um, between that there's enough stabbing and, and creating potions that it doesn't feel too much yeah. like a, an interactive movie. Like, the problem is the stabbing's like my bigger problem with the yeah, witch. Yeah. I don't think the combat's that great. I much prefer like just being around in towns, hanging yeah. out with people. I just put it on the easiest difficulty setting just to, yeah, just to slice through the combat and enjoy the story in the world and that. Um, that does seem to be like the that is everyone's main hangout with the Witcher. The <clears> combat is just not good enough. Yeah. Um, no, it's not. But like the world is so good that it makes up the yeah, rest like, of it seemingly. And the storytelling, like the stories, I think, uh, I think maybe it depends how much you kind of buy into that universe. It's very mm. much a piece of genre fiction mm. in that it's it's very much just uh, ticking off all the kind of medieval fantasy, dark fantasy tropes. Um, and but with it, there's some nice but, little Eastern European folklore twists. Yeah, yeah, and it subverts yeah. it a bit as well. As, as Tony Ellis points out in the top his in what he wrote on the top 100 piece like it's rare to get an RPG that does the medieval thing that makes it that grimy and makes mm. it makes it feel like it is actual medieval Europe and yeah yeah I mean so in response to the question 
the NPCs say the same thing a lot, but they're covered in shit. And that's kind of, <laughs> that's really in fiction and correct. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. They're all getting killed by, you know, in their droves by monsters they don't understand. And it's, it's really dark. But then you play like Blood and Wine and suddenly you're in this like oh, so idyllic sun-kissed sort of uh, fantasy land of vineyards and yeah the NPC dialogue there yeah. is hilarious it's stuff like mm, this pate is delectable <laughs> yeah <laughs> everyone's just much better yeah. off so there. do you say this pate is delectable pate, pate. Oh, okay. yeah, pate. they're all pate eating wine pate. supping olive munching <laughs> you sound like Jeff from Peep Show <laughs> <laughs> or Super Hands um, but yeah that, that, I, I'm not it's a fi- the People from Tucson aren't real, so I'm not being xenophobic there. Okay, fine. They do munch olives, that is a fact. <laughs> That's okay, no one's levelling that complaint at you. Um, I guess it's like, yeah, I, I, so I guess, do you think that um, yeah, he has got a point here in terms of like, do, do assets repeat a lot? Is the NPC dialogue I did contrived? notice that actually, a lot of the small villages you do start recognising the same sort of um, buildings and stuff, and wells, and, yeah. and, and, and there's only like two character models for children which is a bit weird especially in scenes where there's like five children and they're all the same maybe this maybe yeah. just like a really ferocious guy who's just like all the children are actually they're all Geralt's yeah. <laughs> oh that makes a lot of sense yeah they've, they've all got like cat like eyes and sort of strangely like they've all got some white stubble they all speak like that even the women <laughs> Um, okay, well that's uh, that's interesting. I, mean, I guess ultimately it's just still it's still a video game made in 2016, and like we're not quite there yet. Mm, with yeah. like you know, I think it's a, you see that in every every game, and the world is so big and actually very varied. I mean, you might see individual assets repeating, but Skelliger compared to the starting zone, they're so wildly different and varied. Yeah. That I think yeah. the excitement of that overrides it. Okay, well, hopefully that answers your question, and thank you so much for the um, the kind words, mm. uh, which is a nice contrast to um, a review that me and Phil read on the uh, Crate and Crowbar <laughs> Discord. Channel, oh really? yeah, exactly. Yeah. We were basically compared to men in a pub who were saying highbrow things about lowbrow things, um, and uh, I was so, and I was so insulted when I read that. I think. <laughs> Well, it, did I just imagine it in trying to come up with the most offensive version of that comment possible, or, did, or was Top Gear invoked as a sort of I, lads in the pub having a? It was. It was sort. It was of implied. Well, that's it? about yeah. us. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, it, and whoever said that is probably listening right now. So uh, I want you to know that I'm livid about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we were off for two weeks. We were so angry we had to. So yeah. do, you talk, do you talk about really highbrow things on Crate and Crowbar? Not Tom? really. No, I, I mostly talk about lightning hammers and stuff, like I do here. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just more eloquent when you do it? I mean, <laughs> maybe I've I've had some wine when. <laughs> on the Crate and Crowbar. So Whereas we just up. drink uh, Stella during this. Um, so yeah, um, no, uh, but thank you very much for the kind words, and uh, yeah, please uh, feel free to write in again just to boost our self-esteem. Um, if you could choose one article you've written to be remembered by, what would it be? Oh, um, if I if I'd been remembered about yeah by something, it probably wouldn't be an article about a computer game. You've written some uh, pretty amazing stuff, Andy. Like, yeah. well, even while I've just been working on this magazine, you'll have, you know. Yeah, I, don't, like, uh, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'd like that to be my legacy. Even if it was a really good article about a video game. Would you like it to be the time that you uh, cut um, Paper Planes by MIA uh, to an episode of Seinfeld where Kramer enters as the... Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. No, I think you'll find that was actually... Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. I just want that looping on my headstone. <laughs> on a tiny LCD screen. Solar powered so you don't have to... I've really, I've, yeah, I should I should hook myself up with that. Okay, fair enough. Um, well... Maybe you can think about it. We'll yeah. come back to you. Well, maybe about a less sort of dramatic way. Just what's a thing you've written that you thought was? That's yeah, a bit, I, I don't think uh, you have to pretend like that's the only thing you're ever going to be. Re- that that is your entire legacy encapsulated. When people ask us 
those questions, I always really buy into the fiction of the question. You know? <laughs> I, think, I, think you can, I thought um, Tom Senior's XCOM 2 review was uh, superb, oh, thank and you. Um, that, that would be a good candidate, as was your Dawn of War 3 cover feature. I like, um, uh, I, I illustrated the feature a few years ago, and I think oh, I'd yeah, like the course. illustrations to be remembered. Uh, I can't, I'd have to read the feature again to see if it's any good. Actually, Tom, that thing where I went through Alien and compared, oh, yeah, painstakingly compared yeah. props in the game to those in the film, which took me like two days. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'd say that was uh, that is the some that was my essence in article form. Your making of feature was very good as well. Where you interviewed Al Hope after the game came out. Yeah, I should dig that again. Yeah, yeah that's good. good. Good piece. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you've done loads of good stuff. Um, I think we, we are, yeah, we uh, it's games writers and probably a lot of writers aren't the best people for self aggrandizing. <laughs> I don't think we're very like. Cocksure well, bunch, no, are we? Some no, <laughs> yeah, oh um. yeah. Oh, some certainly are incredibly cocksure. <laughs> but you want we not find there's no sure of cocks in here. <laughs> well said. Um, Phil, your Kerbal review is very good. Oh, yeah, good. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was nice to to go for the canonical high score for something to secure that ninety six. Yeah, it feels sort of historic in a way. Mm. But yeah, yeah. Um, I I, uh, I can't really think of anything that I've written for pieces you that I'm actually that happy with. Your legacy is more the magazines because you don't get to write that much. Like no, it's true. Um, what have you reviewed? You'll be remembered for your Final Fantasy games. Your tranche of Final Fantasy reviews. This catalogue of work that is Square's PC attempts. I wrote a thing on Triple Triad a couple of months ago that was quite good. It probably could have been a bit more in depth than it was though. Like I felt like I spent too long explaining what the actual thing is. But anyway, sorry. Like Andy says, I just turned into a bit of self pity. Yeah. So it's a hard question to ask people like us who are but um, all those things we've said are on the website and um, are well worth checking out just and, go to um, the um, best of tab on, on the PC Gamer website and that's a curated stuff, uh, wall of some of our best stuff oh yeah that, th- that piece I wrote on Mario's missing I quite oh that was good that was alright um, yeah uh, there's, uh, there's all these things are good and yeah like, the magazine I'm very proud of like um, after the longer I've been on that the, the better it's got but uh, anyway the time I reviewed a pub that's what but that's that good. was very good <laughs> yeah. yeah and rated the barrels that was really good the Dominion's um, 4 diary that was quite fun Yes, oh, that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Dominion's yeah. just did Dominion's four is mad. <laughs> okay, cool. Anyway, that's enough of that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, do you guys have more to say? I mean, I was, no, no. Like, really. it's always worth tracking down some of the diary features on the site because, especially if like Chris Livingston or someone's doing them, they mm. tend to be some of the best stuff we publish. Andy, your Sims four diaries are amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sims four diaries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you've the, yeah, search Google for PC Gamer, the Cube of Despair, <laughs> and you can see one of the maddest things I've ever done. <laughs> that, that was great. And including a logo I spent a good, like, two hours making to look like the Twilight Zone logo for some reason. Yeah, that's I was quite proud of that, and I kind of I look back at it and go, that's insane. But uh, <laughs> Enjoy that. Uh, <coughs> which of these are the best one, I should ask? Um is, oh, this is quite good, actually. Um, is 2016 the high point of PC gaming to date? Was 2007 pre-games for Windows the low point? That's from John. What do you think of that question? This is, uh, I don't, I don't, I've never been a fan of going, this year, this year is this, this year is that, because time is just an illusion. It's just a, <laughs> it's just a man-made again, construct. Andy, you're getting way too into the hypotheticals. You've got to, but I just, you know, is it's this just, interstellar or something? I, <laughs> Time is a flat circle. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Oh, that's through detected. Really cool. yeah. McConaughey related to existentialism. <laughs> what he like, quotes from the uh, from Mud or uh, what the Good Lawyer? 
uh, the Lincoln lawyer. That was the it. Lincoln not the good lawyer. Yeah. I mixed the good wife and uh, <laughs> the Lincoln lawyer. Um, um, so yeah, I don't think it's it's helpful to sort of go. This is uh, it really annoys me on Twitter every year without fail. At the end of the year, someone goes, "It's been a shit year for games." It's like, no, it's not. No yeah. year is a shit game. It'll, a shit year, year for games. Last year was amazing, mm. and this year's been amazing too. It's always just good games coming out constantly. 2014, like, even though that was a slow year, still mm. had like Endless Legend, Alien, Alien. Wolfenstein. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, like um. Uh, but it's hard to deny that like, we were talking earlier about how like um, something like EDF will just drop on Steam now. Like um, you know, like, the Final Fantasy games, almost all of them are on Steam now as well. And like if you look at it at that versus like the more PC focused games uh, like XCOM Two, The Dawn of War Three, like Total War, Warhammer, like it seems like every type of PC game more or less is having its best era ever. We talked about immersive Sims as well. Hmm. So like it is feels like it's probably the golden age in terms of the quality of the best things coming out I don't know the good thing about being in the media and um, be able to say this is a golden age this is a bad time is that there's literally no kind of consequence to you saying (laughs) you're wrong so you might as well declare it a golden age it it doesn't even matter if it's not Yeah, it definitely feels better than it did in the days when I last sort of fell out of love with PC gaming a bit which was when against Windows Live was launching like, and you had to play Assassin's Creed was, yeah, like the, with yeah. always on guess, DRM like you know that's true. there that's was a period like at the height of the Xbox 360 which was like coincidentally the height of the PC gaming is dead thing and like that that rallying cry did come about because box games were still sort of seen as the dominant like sales force at that yeah, point Steam wasn't big enough to really make an impact in like the entire platform and yeah box sales like PC gaming was just disappearing from game stores. Yeah, and like it happened quite quickly as well. Mm. And then by about 2010 to 11, like it felt like it was on the rise again to me uh, from the outside looking in. Mm. I was working on a console mag at the time, so that's what it felt like, and that's when I kind of regained interest in it again. Then the indie movement happened, and yeah, it's funny. Like uh, I don't know, for for a while it felt like some of the best indie games were mainly launching on consoles, like with um, Xboxes, yeah, like, like Braid, Super Meat Boy, while they were Shadow in Shadow Complex, Xbox exclusivity periods. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, like uh, just a good time, I guess. Like mm. Tom says, no consequence. <laughs> Why not? It's, it's a golden age, everybody! Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Um, how do the back pages of the magazine come into being? That'll be our last question. For this. Agonizing this, um, process. There's a sort of room in the basement of the office, and there's like a there's a sort of onyx pyramid <laughs> sitting on a sort of um, elevated plinth and it's surrounded by sort of flame, flaming pots and we go down there and we sort of say a chant an ancient yeah. rite perform the ritual <laughs> and uh, the, joke, the jokes just sort of uh, ooze out of this black pyramid and we catch it in a bucket and yeah it that's, how, <laughs> that's and then, how it happens and then yeah then John Strike pastes that into an InDesign file and yeah, it's press. just done yeah. um, so, so anyway <laughs> so the back page joke is the hardest part of each issue um, yeah. Apart from maybe proofing certain parts of the magazine, it's uh, <laughs> which uh, I won't specify. <laughs> um, but like, uh, it is done at the very end. It's always the last thing that happens. Every yeah. time we've tried to do it before, like the mm. final two days, it's gone wrong. Yeah, it's like it's incredibly like, hard to crack. You've basically, if you remember the Far Cry Primal one, we tried that two weeks beforehand, and it just didn't work until we got to like a day before, and then suddenly we had the actual <coughs> idea was the all over. Either was, like the desperation makes us funnier. Or the desperation drives us insane, so we think what wasn't funny suddenly yeah. becomes funny. We, we yeah, call the, this the drill savage effect. <laughs> <laughs> for a very silly reason. The desperation yeah. does does make this add to its uh, character. It's part of what it is. Yeah, desperation and madness. Yeah, it's funny because um, 
I've actually, over time, actually, there's been a bit of a difference since Phil's been on the mag, because I think me and Phil have a slightly more, slightly similar sense of humour, whereas me and Chris um, Thurston, previous deputy editor, had quite different sense of humour, so he'd come up with a joke that would get like the nod from the rest of the team, but I wouldn't entirely get, necessarily, <laughs> yeah. like the XCOM 2 light bulb one, which we talked about on the website, uh, like which you like, you did like yeah. that one, Andy, and I, I just didn't, I don't really get that one. Chris is quite, um, he's quite, uh, uh, there's a period where I just stopped suggesting stuff out loud, because Chris would be there with his like, uh, clay pigeon gun, <laughs> to, just shoot it, to just go, to shoot it down, like I'd go, cool, and send a joke out there, and he'd be there with a sort of deer stalker, <laughs> and a shotgun, and he'd sort of just go, <laughs> He's quite, you know, he's know, he's got a very firm idea of what's funny. Which is one of um, my favourite things about working with him. He's got a very fair, firm idea of what PCG is, and like, um, yeah, that certainly informs his sort of um, jokes on that in that regard. But there's, but there's some from um, when we worked together that I really, really like, and like. Uh, like the Star Wars Battlefront one that um, there was like the opening crawl from Star Wars that pointed out the inconsistencies in that game and how dumb it is as a Star Wars. But that wasn't Chris's. Oh, that was that was me. That oh, was, was Andy's. Oh, right. That was, yeah. that was the, one of the first ones was, since I jumped on as Deathhead. What was the yeah. other funny? And then someone online went through it and said why it was all inaccurate. <laughs> it's like it's a joke, mate. What was the yeah. what was the one with um, the Metal Gear one as well? Was that Chris's idea? That was my idea. Was it the, uh, um, the staff morale increased one? Yes. That yeah. That was yeah, that was very okay. Maybe I don't like Chris. <laughs> no, well, Chris done the XCOM light bulb one, which I genuinely think is one of the best ones. No, the best one was uh, the one where um, Chris got into trouble on the internet because it was oh, the yeah. Half Life one. Yeah, yeah no, that was he never mentioned Half Life anywhere. That was a very subtle Half Life joke that, that went horribly wrong. I also really like the one that was like the alternate top one hundred of slightly mediocre games. Yeah, like um, that was good. And also, I think the, um, he came up with the postcard one for uh, the top one hundred. That got shared on like oh, yeah. Reddit. Yeah. Didn't like they do that. the obituary for extended the... universe characters in Star Wars? Oh yeah, 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 that was good. Yeah, me yeah. and him teamed up on that. The Disney and the Witcher one where they do where it's just about playing Gwen. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, but described in the book. That's very good. Like, yeah, mocked up in the style of the, sh- the short story. Oh, That's good. I think uh, we've balanced out the clay pigeon remark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the current issue has a really good one. Whoops, for the top 100. It's fell yeah. off a chair there. That was so good. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's like a bingo internet commenter bingo, which is has some. Like surprisingly subtle jokes on it. Yeah, like, someone replied to that on Twitter and went, "It's all true." <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah, lots yeah. of people. Yeah. It's all right, actually, though. You can actually find that on my Twitter account if we're checking out Twitter accounts because uh, Sam gave me permission to <laughs> to it post also, it. When the top 100 goes live on the website, you'll go up with that as well. Yeah, uh, which yeah. happens late this month. But like, um, yeah, like uh, <laughs> it's actually I'm really proud of this year's ones. Um, there's there's a good one coming up next month actually of something that Tom spotted in the game mm. uh, a game that's coming out soon um, that was quite a nice surprise and we we really went to town on it <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, yeah like uh, I'm trying to think the ones I've enjoyed the most this year but it's always like one joke about the magazine uh, one thing in the magazine we basically go through the entire magazine what can we make a joke yeah. about here and then we make a dumb joke and then hopefully it's funny and then that's it um, the Stardew Valley one I liked. Oh, yeah, about yeah, style. about the one that was a, a stinging takedown of gentrification. <laughs> <laughs> what I tried to do was channel all of your much stated opinions and frustrations with gentrification into, into uh, a Sometimes that all over has uh, got searing political and <laughs> social political insight as yeah, well as it was like, jokes. It's like you, you could watch season 19 of South Park or you could read this back page. You know, either way, they do the same thing, yeah. really. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, like uh, sometimes it's just riding cutting a tin of beans in half. My <laughs> theory is that. <laughs> oh yeah, like, yeah. that was a high concept. That was weird. Everyone's yeah. forgotten about that one. That was so weird. <laughs> Why did we do? What the fuck was the joke? Was, it was something about Metal Gear Rising, wasn't it? Yeah, you could chop yeah. anything. Oh, it was Daisy, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. The one no, we never talk one. about. It's not a good one. Is the Pillars of Eternity one? Oh god, that yeah. was that the dragon it, one. That was, that like was the joke husky. That was the joke husky, nah, but yeah, with the dragon, that was bad. That was a bad one. But. What, there was um, there's actually been quite a few that I really like the Metal Gear one was genuinely very mm. funny and I think almost all of them this year have been pretty good um, well, it's we've my favourite thing internet, about the Metal Gear one is Andy refused to be the person being fulton out because of his personal brand <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I remember that. my lawyer said it would damage my personal brand so. I really like irreparably the, one, one I used that with my GMA profile photo which <laughs> showed how to, <laughs> seriously I was taking the games media awards for that year one of my ones was the No Man's Sky. Uh, you arrive on a planet and, name, and it's oh, yeah. named That shared a lot on the... Uh, I've been on the, the No Man's Sky yeah. subreddit recently, just getting waiting for the bloody game to unlock on Steam, and uh, I've seen that posted quite a few times. It's really? It's captured... Usually, like, people in reply... Like, in a comment, mm-hmm. reply to someone else wow. about naming planets. It's, it's sort of... It's, it's captured the imagination of... Uh, I can't believe no I was Sky. the first to come up with that shit joke. <laughs> um, now people yeah. are actually calling planets your mum. Yep, it's not a joke anymore. Yeah, I'd love to, you know, all those trees that we killed just to put that your mum joke on them and then print them out and send them out to people. Don't oh, try that's to trip us about magazines. <laughs> that's too dark. That's too dark. <laughs> and yet, I regret nothing. No, no, you shouldn't regret uh, it. It's, it's printed on sustainable paper, though, from sustainable forests. Is it? Yeah, I, is it? Yeah, I doubt why it. Not? Is it? Yeah, it's like forest standards. There's a little green icon on the I don't know about print media. Stop giving me a hard time about your magazine. Because he's these web I'm webman. He's a data boy with his ones and zeros. He doesn't care about papers. Yeah, what do you think powers those server whatever's blades? Do you think it's magic? Is it magic, Tom? Steam is a coal. This man who doesn't understand you. I've got shaman down there. Um... But yeah, like uh, it's a weird yeah. process, but hopefully the results are quite good. I also like the division um, back of the division oh, book. Yeah, that was like a Tom Clancy book. That as was well. really good. Whoever wrote that is. Uh, me and, me and Phil oh, teamed up. Yeah, it's good. Sam had the best line in it, which what was, uh, was about Wall Street. Um, I can't remember exactly, but oh, this is really disappointing for the for the listeners. Well, last year we put all of that year's back pages on the website, so I guess we'll do we'll, that we'll again. We'll do it at the end of the year. Like, yeah, so you can my see my own theory yeah. is that we had to, we were forced to raise our game this year because it, we knew we were going to have to put them online again. <laughs> yeah. It was just like a random idea last year and happened mm. at the last minute, but this year now now we've set a precedent. Yeah. So it's like yeah. we've yeah. got to be on point. We can't we you can't just let a bad joke die on the on the, on the magazine back page anymore. Yeah, we look at the joke dragon from Pillars of Eternity and think never, <laughs> never again. again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's very much the end they of can, the. Oh, sorry, I was going to oh, say for the. Uh, well, I used to work on another magazine that also had back page jokes, and to give you an example of the the depths you sink when you're on deadline, there's no time to make a joke. Um, Mortal Kombat Deception had just come out. Uh, so we photoshopped Sub Zero behind a, behind a reception and put the words Mortal Kombat reception. <laughs> that was literally it. So if you think the the husky joke dragon was bad, there have there have been lower depths for a back page have been sunk to. <laughs> <laughs> think of how little effort was involved in that. But it was just like we had like ten minutes to come up with one. It's like quick stock image of a reception table. Put Sub Zero on it. That's done. sometimes what it is though. Like we were an hour past deadline when we came up with this issues and like. Uh, it's it's a bit in jokey this one, but if you read the magazine regularly, <laughs> you'll really like At it. At least I think. John didn't have the biggest job. Our artist John Strider didn't have the biggest job uh, this month. 
unlike the time we made him mock up an entire Deus Ex, a fake Deus Ex magazine. Oh, that's really good. Oh, triangles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, the Batman one where he's looking at uh, the Steam refund page on his, uh, <laughs> on his back on there. That was a good one. That was really good. That was the one I got really worried about because uh, Tom Senior didn't laugh at it. I didn't understand it. I just said <laughs> it now. There is a standard test of an all over, which is you show it to someone who didn't make it and yeah. hope they go, huh. and if they do that, yeah. it's it's a good all over. It's, it's worthy of the back page. <laughs> yeah. I think for two minutes, Tom just sort of looks at it and goes, what, what is this? It's like, oh, fuck. Which is how I felt when I looked at the XCOM lightbulb one. <laughs> Not go. to bring that up again. Uh, but hopefully that gives you some insight, Gareth. It was Gareth who asked that question, who writes in uh, often, and it's very much appreciated. He gave us like three questions. This, he did, this and, we, week. and we read out two of them. And there are some other ones here. Um, someone asked why Sapienza uh, is the best level in the best gaming level in 2016. He didn't ask it like that. He asked it more pithily. Um, but yeah, that, that's you, Kevin. Uh, you are correct. It's a it's good level. A damn good level. And uh, yep, uh, there are some other ones, but they're. They're okay, and we might read them in a future episode. But for now, that's hopefully enough podcasts. We just picked all, yeah. we just picked all enough the podcasts to make up for, for we our break. Picked all the questions that let us talk about ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I, I, I feel a bit wrong but have, uh, yeah. you know, talking about myself. So next next time, ask us some questions about other things. Ask us some questions about you. Yeah. <laughs> what am I, and where am I going in life? <laughs> things like that. Yeah, it'll be um, like uh, Frasier. Yeah. We we'll all be Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> But hopefully that balances out the uh, the absence. Like hopefully next week there will be another podcast by Phil and Andy and Tom. Um, fingers crossed. I'll be there. And maybe yeah. Chris, um, where Andy does a prolonged apology for the, uh, the Quay Pigeon remark. <laughs> Isn't that a Seinfeld episode? <laughs> what the prolonged apology? Yeah. <laughs> the Quay like Pigeon one. remark. <laughs> Both of them, I think. Are. Yeah, it's good. Um, anyway, yeah. So uh, there will be another episode of this podcast, and we'll try and do it uh, regularly again. And um, I'm going to Gamescom, but I'll come back and talk about all the things I'm seeing, um, which is exciting. Thank you very much for listening. I, I, I don't understand How could you have done this? You weren't meant to be I mean, a few of them can be like pretty quick. I mean, EDF, all you do is you shoot the fucking insects. That's it. Cool. One sentence done. That's one Boom. game done. You recorded this, JJ.